You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 505, from Cheggers to the Ultimate Playlist, music on children's TV, Tony Blair and Rockstar Hair, and how TikTok brought Rasputin back from the dead. That's all coming up after Arrested Development and People Every Day.
Amanda Hartled interview in the early 1990s, winning two Grammys for Best New Artist, but success mm. was fleeting. There were no more hits after the first album. This was their biggest uh, success in the UK from 1992, number eight on Billboard, number two in the UK, Arrested Development and People Every Day. I absolutely love that. A really fun twist on the Sly and the Family Stone number originally. But it's, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I've never been in a disco where, where that's played and I've not danced to it. It's, uh, it's I suppose, what people will call the Daisy Age pop, isn't it? It's 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 yeah. the Della Soul kind of, I miss the Daisy Age, Terence. That was a good time. <laughs> I've just about forgiven them. I was in America in 1993 and mm. they performed uh, live by, the, by, the, um, by Lake Michigan in Milwaukee. Mm. And they turned up about four hours late to an outdoor <laughs> gig. And I mean, you know, that, that uh, did put me off them for a while, but they eventually turned up and they were very good. Um, thanks for your attendance at the Parish Council. It's episode 505. I'm Terence Stackham and she's on our quarantine free list. Everything's OK. It's Juliet Harris. Yes, please do all come round my house. You're very welcome here at Harris Airways. We'll, we'll put towels out all over the uh, all over the <laughs> chair. You can you can lie here to your heart's content. I I will not be travelling anywhere. Hello, everyone. The relationship between children's television hmm. and music has often yes. been a strained one. I'm back back in my day, even on Blue Peter, John hmm. Noakes, who always seemed ancient even when he was young. Yes, introducing... he was the world's oldest 28 year old, wasn't he? It was really strange. Very much so. If he was introducing hmm. a guest pop group in, say, 1966, it, it was a really awkward fit. And there was a tradition. That children's TV and pop music shows had to be presented by sort of avuncular figures who seemed yes. positively elderly to us. And then you had Alan Freeman, Pete Murray, David Jacobs on top of the pops, blokes in suits and ties introducing the small faces or the kings. <laughs> yes. That was still the case in the 90s, to be fair. Mark Goodyear was wearing a tie most of the time, if I remember correctly, and Bruno Brooks and Simon Mayo. Even, well, exactly, it never changes. Because even when TV shows used young presenters, they always seemed to be safe and old before their time. Mm -hmm. Keith Chegwin was only 21 years old when he started presenting Chegger's (laughs) Plays Pop. And yet he came across as this sort of conservative, a a company man. And this was also reflected in the groups and artists who were featured. What old people thought pop music should be, safe Mm. and unthreatening. Mm, absolutely. I was, I was looking, uh, I did a little bit of research at the height of post punk mm. and power pop in 1978. Cheggers Plays Pop featured Shawadi Wadi, The Wurzels, The Doolies, and The Brotherhood of Man. And then through the years, old people presenting old music for young mm. people. This week we've been watching a current BBC offering mm. of music based television for young people. The ultimate playlist on C. BBC, presented by 33-year-old Lauren Layfield. Has anything changed, Jules? Well, actually, I, I think it might have done in the sense that I didn't understand most of this. Um, I have to, I have to be frank. I was watching it. I found my attention wandering, and that and I actually think the problem isn't the program. I think the problem is me in the sense that I I think the program is not aimed at me. And do you know what? As a 36 year old woman, I'm totally okay with that. I've got six music, Terence. That is pitched at my 30 to 50 vaguely alternative age range, or you know, or I've got I've got the lower end of two, you know. I've got the, the slightly funkier end of two. You know, I, I have 
other outlets i you know radio one is not for me um you know but if you were, should... if you were 10 years old would you have enjoyed this ultimate playlist i might have done actually certainly because I, I it was quite pacey there was quite a lot going on i felt i didn't know who these people were which makes me think maybe they'll appeal to people younger than me i you know i didn't dislike them i just i the, the thing i don't want to say it left me cold I just got the distinct impression that it wasn't for me. And I'm not I'm not anti that in the slightest. I think that's exactly how it should be. I didn't know who most of the acts were either, which can only be a good sign, I think, it, it, because, you know, again, I'm, I'm not of the age that it's aimed at, really. I, you know, I, I didn't feel that they were as I didn't feel the presenters were as shirt and tires, perhaps the people in the past. Mm. There is always I don't necessarily think that 33 years old is too old to present pop if you've got the mindset. I'm just saying as a 36-year-old, I do not have pop mindset and I probably haven't had pop mindset for about 10 years. I think it's to some extent a state of mind, although once you're getting to advancing years, it is harder to sell that, I admit. But I I didn't. I I thought this was quite I thought this was quite fun. I thought it would probably it wasn't appealing to me. So I've just worked on the basis that it will appeal to younger people who are not me, really. So, so, you know, I, my favourite ever pop programme was something called T4, um, Pop World on T4. Do you remember that? No, I don't know. Pop World, it was sort of a bit like the, the email of Pop Bitch, which I think some of our, our listeners might be familiar mm. with, the kind of sort of slightly satirical gossip style email it was a bit like the tv version of that there was a big piece about it in the guardian recently sort of an anniversary piece mm. it was uh, makita oliver right. her daughter randy oliver and yeah. simon amstel in his first proper tv job okay. before he was a comedian and an actor and, and all those and buzzcocks host and all this goes with it the reason that he ended up hosting buzzcocks is because of his time on pop world and all basically right. it was it was it was a pop program that didn't take itself seriously at all and didn't take the people that were on it seriously. Um, Simon Amster, who is openly gay, did an a, a astonishing interview where he basically called out Beanie Man from the rapper from Jamaica for being the homophobe that he is. Mm. Um, they they had lots of ridiculous skits where they 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 interview pop star Lamar on a megaphone across the other side of a car park <laughs> simply so that they could call the feature Lamar from afar. I mean that was that was kind of pop world and how it works. And I think pop world has a claim. I mean, I know that CD UK on on Anton Deck and Cat Dealey's SMTV, you know, that was a fairly straightforward pop program. But I think that T that the T Four's Channel Four's Teenage Strand Pop World had a genuine claim to be doing something different. That it seemed to have the anarchic spirit, and it was it was almost like Brass Eye and and Chris Morris's programs in that it was difficult to tell what was better: pop stars that went on it that got the joke. Or pop stars that went on it and didn't get the joke. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was satirical and fun, and it was, it was quite popular. It got pretty good ratings for that slot. So, that is more my kind of pop program. But I get there is a place for this sort of thing with people that aren't me. I should think so. So that is my my view on this program. On on the show we watched, thirty uh, three year old Lauren Layfield interviews. 47 year old matt lucas who's there yes to that, plug that his was new that was book. not yes that was not uh, in, in, incredibly youth oriented was it no i well exactly i wondered what appeal this would have to eight-year-olds mm, and, and, and none none is my guess um 
<laughs> as you say, there were some acceptable angles to the ultimate playlist. There was a Jordan North is good, I think. He's he's good value. He seems to know what to do. Yeah, there was a reasonable "Am I telling the truth or not?" bit, and yeah. yes, some fast-moving celebrity news from thirty-one-year-old uh, Jordan North. But um, I agree. But um, it was at a good level for under tens. I thought that that the, the way that came across. But again, we did come back to old people picking old music. Matt Lucas. Mm. As I say, 47 yes, years true. old, chose Steps, Something in Your Eyes, as his playlist track, which is a bit like picking Vera Lynn instead of the Beatles in 1965 for young Maybe. people. Maybe. That's, well, that's, it, the, same, that's it, the same amount of time has elapsed, probably. It would be it, like, exactly. like me picking Oasis, I suppose. Yeah, it was a peculiar show, um, altered, of course, significantly by social distancing and remote presenting. Yes. But as ever seemed to fall and I suppose fail for the usual reasons, old people guessing what young people want mm. and with a couple of exceptions, getting it terribly, terribly wrong. I think today's under tens are happy with a YouTube style playlist. They don't need well, yes. your uncle presenters. Well, it depends who you're aiming it at. Are you aiming it? I think under tens are a different audience to 10 to 20 year olds. Maybe this is the problem. Maybe, I mean, maybe the BBC, when target uh, and all broadcasting organisations, when targeting these kind of age groups, you know, they at one point Radio One was meant to serve the 18 to 35 audience. And I remember saying to someone on Twitter once, as a 28 year old, why is Radio One playing nothing that I ever like, even though I am 20, you know, within the boundaries? She said they don't want us. They don't want us over 25s. And and I think I think the problem is is that. There's this there's this uh, dishonesty, I think, in or, or lack of focus or perhaps a, a mix of both between what age groups are you going for? Is the age group that you're pitching at too wide or is the thing or, or, or are you, in fact, pitching at a narrower age group and you need to be better at that? If they wanted to pitch a pop program at under 10s, it would be much more specific. And what what a 10-year-old would enjoy is very different to what a 19-year-old would enjoy. Mm. So so I wonder if, if, if because we're living in an increasingly siloed world in all sorts of ways, aren't we, with different kind of, um, everything needs to be so specific, doesn't it? We live in a world where everyone makes their own playlist. So there isn't, there isn't mm. that overarching, we've talked about this before, there isn't that overarching culture with, you know, the top 40 that everyone listens to and it goes on top of the pops. There isn't that common thread, that light, that sort of ley line anymore through, through you know, popular culture uniting the nation. Maybe, maybe if we, maybe organizations like the BBC need to get to grips with that and then go okay then we'll just have lots of different programs that are micro targeted that is the way forward I think if that indeed is something that people want mm, yeah I think that's, that's, a, that's a very strong point of view coming up next mm. rock stars and their hair <laughs> all the big issues as ever around these parts that's right after honey bay <laughs>
that's a really great lost um sort of i don't want to call it pop punk but it's it's kind of punk crossing over isn't it and i think that is great um she began a musical career at the age of 14 in 1978 when she formed the pop band the fatal microbes that's a heck of a name isn't it they had a they had a split 12 inch with anarcho punk band poison girls the same year and then again that picked up our thread of you know age things you know what did 14 year old honey bane have in in common with you know 25 30 year old punks at that point but anyway um she this was her sort of solo career spin-off um jimmy percy interestingly was her manager at the time and uh, it was their collaboration this was a top 40 hit got to 37 at its peak um i would have preferred it um I would have preferred it to have done better, although it did get her on top of the pops, which uh, I, I I can't believe that we once lived in a world where Honey Bane was on top of the pops. But anyway, that was Honey Bane and Turn Me Off, Turn Me On. Very, very troubled life she had. And I'm not mm. sure that becoming the muse of Jimmy Percy at the age of 16 helped her. was a good thing. Yes, much, absolutely. She is, she's still with us, apparently. Um, yes, she released yes. her first full studio album uh, in 2015, which was 10 years in the making, apparently, um, on her uh, on her website, along with the uh, rather wryly titled anthology CD, It's a Baneful Life, the anthology, oh. 1978 to 2015, um, released on You Can Be You Records, her own label. I mm. wonder if... Um, she wasn't herself for a long time and i think there are possibly shades of the uh of the polystyrene story in here as well maybe i think you're right she was um looked after by a series of uh yes. older men and i don't think that well look, looked after benefit. looked after might in fact be a contradiction in terms well, i said i did really. have it in inverted commas mm, yes. quite yes a couple of times in recent years especially during during the first lockdown i've let my hair grow long in the mm. confident belief that i will look like <laughs> robert plant in 1973 <laughs> possibly david coverdale from white snake and then well, i, I think see that's my reflection. not a bad result is it in the grand well it wouldn't be if i hadn't seen my reflection in a window or a mirror and i don't yeah. look like robert plant or david coverdale what? at all that surprises me i know I, I look like a man in his 60s that's down on his luck and is spending his <laughs> night sleeping in a hedge that's actually the look that <laughs> Uh, it, it, it is in reality. So I had some sympathy for Tony Blair this week, and that, yes. that's not a phrase I use very often, um, <laughs> who, who was photographed with a, a straggly grey mullet of wispy hair tucked behind mm-hmm. his ears, no, hoping no doubt to give the impression he was a hip and happening dude who could easily be mistaken for a member of the Incredible String Band or Atomic Rooster, mm. when the reality is he looks like Tony Blair with stupid hair. And <laughs> When men reach 60 and they go grey, hair Mm. tends to go wispy and straggly, and it's not a good look. Over the years, Jules, hairstyles have been vital components of the look of rock stars, but not Tony Blair. I I don't disagree. They have very strong um, prog rock vibes, didn't it, really? You get the impression... My friend said, oh, it's very much, you know, bitterness at Genesis falling out amongst themselves, isn't it? His interview was a bit, um, what was, what can I say? Peter Gabriel slash Mandelson always did his own thing is the, the quote I imagine coming from that interview. It was, it was not great, was it really? And you, with all these people that make ill-advised decisions, you do think, gosh, you must be surrounded by either yes people or nobody at all. Because if I was in that position, if my hair looked awful, my, my nearest and dearest would be the first to tell me that it did and that i should not be doing that but anyway um yeah hair hair very important and to, to quote fleabag hair is everything it's it's it <laughs> seems and it's a big part it's weird isn't it i don't know why it's such a big part of, of rock size but i've seen various um posters um 
games, memes with various rock bands with just the haircuts and the and 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 the faces removed, it, cartoons, that's graphics, that sort of thing. And the really iconic ones, you know who they are. You know who the Beatles are. You know who the Sex Pistols are. You probably know who the Rolling Stones are. You know who the Supremes are. You know where my Winehouse is. You know, hair can be a, exactly. an amazing way of of you know Oasis even, which again was sort of Beatles but gone to seed a bit, which sums up a lot I think about them. But you know, there, there's there's something there's something about those bands that that you can even if they don't even if they're not all stars they have some sort of uniform look where you you get them and you get who they are and and you know you could say that the beatles mop the beatles hair changed the world didn't it they're mop tops everyone wanted them all of a sudden and then when they grew their hair so did everyone else elvis's quiff bob dylan's um you know bob dylan's curly thing um you know we we jimmy hendrix even your man mr plant often mistaken for you in polite company i believe you know the, <laughs> there's there's a great graphic of the of the david bowie haircuts from from the beginning to to the end of his life and you know you can name the albums off those haircuts by and large such was his kind of way of of, of changing his look it's a really good way of announcing yourself i think look at madonna who didn't necessarily have an iconic haircut in itself but blonde ambition we all know who we mean don't we when we say blonde ambition it's it's madonna isn't it and the the madonna tour i think it's it's a really it's a really clever way if you can find a way of having an iconic haircut it's it's the way in which you you are remembered and um I was fortunate enough to see Amy Winehouse sing during her lifetime and sing when she was at a a state in her life where she was able to perform well. I saw her touring her first album, which was called Frank, and I would have seen her in about 2005. And she had very long hair, but it was quite casual and she performed very well. And she started to perform songs off her second album. She had a couple at that point, which we knew were good. I knew that they sounded good. And her first album had been very good. The point at which Amy Whitehouse hit the public consciousness and didn't leave it was when she had a beehive. Mm. I think that was the mm. point at which people mm. knew who Amy Whitehouse was. She had True. something about her. I mean, as well as being extremely talented, can I point out? But it was, it's not, you know, if hair can, I think, can tip you. It can tip you. It can, it can knock you up a gear, I think, as far as being a star is concerned. It, it adds to the image, doesn't it? And it's, it's mm. not, I don't think it's always all about image. All of those acts that I've mentioned, perhaps with the with the exception of the sex pistols as well as having amazing hair also had you know tons and tons of amazing songs and an incredible you know talent and a back catalog that that will be a legacy forever but there is just something about image that that makes that sticks in our mind and pop star hair seems to be a lot of that yeah, I've been thinking about this this week. I, mm. I think hair has a very important role in modern music history. Um, Teddy well, boys. thereof. I mean, but put it this way: we 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 don't know what the edge's hair looks like, but we know that the edge wears a hat. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if we go back to the Teddy Boys and their slick back mm. look, which the the Beatles copied until, yes. as you say, Astrid Kircher yeah. combed their hair forward, and then we have the Summer of Love and Woodstock and long hair, followed by a swift reversal to short yes, and spiky for the brief intervention of punk hair was a strong identifier along with clothes to let others know what musical tribe you belong to but i was thinking does hair Mm. matter anymore does it matter anymore in pop music Mm. i was looking at the 
hairstyles this week of artists who are in the UK top 40. And there didn't seem to me to be a trend as such or any outrageous hairstyles that might upset parents. So I was thinking, I would suggest tattoos have now taken the place of outrageous hair to cause shock and awe. You, you've got rag and mm. bone man. He seems to have tattoos everywhere, including on his face, like um, Post Malone. And I yes. think there is still something startling about seeing tattoos on someone's face. Yes, I Whereas think so. even I the craziest hairstyle these days doesn't excite much comment. No. No, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think that's that's the next thing, isn't it, really? But then, you know, punk hair was shocking at the time, wasn't it? Oh. Mo- mohawks and dyed yeah. hair was was off the scale in causing apoplexy in some in some certain cases, doesn't it? Whereas, you know, it seems like like we evolve and then things settle and then and then if people will always and particularly teenagers will always want to find a way to shock it's just finding those new ways isn't it and face tattoos well i'd say that was one of them only thing is of course if you have a a, a loopy hairstyle when you're 18 you can yes. very very easily change Quite. it somewhat obviously if you have a face full of tattoos when you're 18 then there's no way back absolutely and there have been interesting pieces i think badisha uh, the writer wrote a really good piece ages and ages ago about the fact that she's got a sleeve tattoo that she had as a depressed young adult that is going to cost an insane amount to remove and perhaps even can't be removed and she you know has said there needs i don't even know how you would go about this but there needs to be a bigger impression given to young people of how this this is not a short-term thing is this is a long-term thing and i don't know why you know i i I, yeah it's it's just as you say you know if you dye your hair too much it might fall out but you have to be quite extreme for that i think if you had a crazy hairstyle particularly those of us that were lucky enough and the more i think about it the luckier i think i am to grow up or or certainly have the majority of my youth and young adulthood in a world without social media who who needs to know what i look like when i was 16 unless there are you know i can burn the photos if i want to (laughs) (laughs) coming next rah rah rasputin Mm. how tiktok revive boney m and that's right after a song that paul weller says of the last 20 years this is the song he most wishes he had written oh nice it's by declan o'rourke galileo fell in love as a galilean boy he wondered what in heaven who invented such a joy but the question got the better of his scientific mind and to his blind and dying gaze he looked up high and often sighed and sometimes cry Who puts the rainbow in the sky Who lights the stars at night Who dreamt up someone so divine Someone like you and made them all Love can make you 
you ask some funny questions now and then But just remember the alternatives For I remember when I was lonely and unhappy And my lips were cold as ice But you kissed me and good heavens Now I'm here in paradise So if ever I'm not kissing you Or looking in your eyes I won't be blind and I won't cry I'll look up high and gladly sigh And thank the guy Puts the rainbow in the sky Who lights the stars at night Who dreamt of someone so divine Someone like you and made them mine Someone like you and made them mine Such a gorgeous song and performed mm. so beautifully from his first album called Since Kyabram in 2004 Declan O'Rourke and Galileo yeah, I like that a lot, actually. I can see why Wella wishes he'd written it. Mm, lovely song. Um, mm. A look at the UK Top 40 in the week we record this in May 2021 shows on its fifth week in the chart and rising at number 21 a new mix of Rasputin by Boney M, which was last seen 43 years ago in 1978. But... Boney M were the sugar babes of the 1970s. And they really was were. <laughs> that's, that's such a great analogy. I love it. Ever-changing parade of group members. At one point, there were four different versions of Boney M on, mm. on the cut. Of course, in the <laughs> 1970s, no one troubled much with authenticity. And so nobody knew that the bloke, Bobby Farrell, didn't actually sing on the records. And their no, group absolutely. Was just a, they were just an evocation of front for the German record producer, Frank Farian, and, and it was uh, actually himself, mm. Farian, was actually the voice of the lead vocals. None of that mattered to those handing over their 75 pence, of course, in Woolworths in 1978. Last November, a bloke went viral on TikTok as he skateboarded to the soundtrack of Fleetwood Mac, and that mm. led to dreams reappearing high in the singles charts. And Jules, a couple of months ago, a TikTok challenge was based on people flexing their muscles to Boney M's Rasputin, and now the track is getting millions of streams every day. It's bizarre, isn't it? And it just goes to show that there is great pop music that genuinely endures, like uh, like the, the, the Fleetwood Mac and the skateboarding. Young people will always somehow find a way of discovering it and enjoying it, and why yeah. shouldn't they enjoy it in their own way? And, you know, TikTok... Is and this is this is you know which this week people realise that I now consider myself to be not young anymore. You always insist that kindly that I'm young yes. when we when we discuss on the show. I'm not, you know, I'm 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 not I'm not there, Terence. You know, I'm not on TikTok. I have brilliantly sat in a bath looking at a video that an MP intended to put on TikTok and advising whether or not it was sensible. But I'm not I'm not a 
I'm not uh, I'm not a I'm not a young person, but I, I, I love the fact that young people can find new ways of enjoying music. I think it's brilliant. And this bizarre <laughs> resurgence of Rasputin, which, to be fair, is I know it's seen as being naff, but it's an amazing pop song. Rasputin really is. is is incredible, not least because it is about the Russian Revolution. It's about the most <laughs> non-pop thing you can imagine. It's a history lesson set to disco and it is but it's really funny and and it even has a punchline in all oh, those russians and it has really endured hasn't it and it just goes to show it's the song that the, the song that stays the same isn't it it's the song that counts it didn't matter that nobody knew who an earthy individual of boney m were at any given moment even them i don't think knew who was in them at any one time like you say i remember seeing on a um one of those I love the whatever it was clip shows once the concern at Boney M going to sing live on on the top of the pops Christmas show they did Mary's boy child and some of the members had never sung before or had never sung in public <laughs> before it was all very stressful if I remember correctly but um but yeah isn't isn't I, I just I love it when stuff like this happens I love the fact that this this version of, of Ra Ra Rasputin which has been released um and again this is quite this is a tale as old as time, isn't it? Pop, pop people picking up on current trends and selling them, packaging them up and selling them. For some reason, Ra Ra Rasputin had just taken off on TikTok, and um, this producer Majestic from North London, who's a DJ, worked out what was going on, grabbed it, stuck a different beat on it, and has and has remixed it and 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 released it as Majestic Majestic Times Boney M, and it's it's hit the charts in the UK, the US and in Europe. And, and you know what, at this point of lockdown and rolling lockdowns, people are just very bored, aren't they? People, particularly young people who I think have made a lot of sacrifices during this time, which have, I know there've been, you know, reports of raves and people misbehaving, but the vast majority of young people that I know have, have made a lot of sacrifices for not a lot of thanks. I don't think really. But Davina McCall did a re- made a really nice tweet. I think a tweet statement last summer where she basically said, can we all thank our young people for just, you know, largely going along with this you know the ones that didn't go to raves people that are just you know young people that are not having the easiest of times that probably feel like their youth is slipping you know i i i'd, I'd sympathize with them it's them that are driving tiktok if that's making them happy and keeping them in touch with each other why not frankly i think it's you know I, i'm all for stuff like this i'm all for the recycling of culture and it being enjoyed in different ways and and i i love the fact that of you know all the stuff in the 70s that was perhaps seen as being you know cool or you know culturally of merit or critically of merit of all the things that, that, that young people have embraced is Fleetwood Mac and Rasputin and I, I love that that's the stuff that stood the test of time I think that's grand the the influence of TikTok I'm not sure whether it's something to be cross about or not maybe it doesn't I matter don't but think so. uh, uh, their, their influence behind creating music it's now all pervading mm. um music hits i suppose i, I mean rather um yes. radio plays and turning up on tv shows mm. like the ultimate playlist pale into nothing yes. compared to going viral on tiktok yeah but it's it not always as innocent as it appears i mean I, I, here's an example a couple of weeks ago um megan the stallion picked up a mm. grab you know that's great first female rapper to win yeah uh, best new artist in and 20 years. And to be fair, years. WAP, WAP seems to get into every orifice of culture, didn't it? Perhaps you know, perhaps that's an a, an appropriate um, appropriate metaphor. I don't know, but anyway. Yeah, it was the the thing though is this. I'm just not sure about this. It was it was a craft a crafted campaign, carefully crafted campaign mm. 
on TikTok. Well, as they always are, yeah, absolutely. Her song Savage to number one. TikTok's management, yeah. they often decide which videos are going to be seen as viral. And in this case, they uh. work closely with Megan the Stallion's record label. Mm. The, the, yeah. What they do is the, the track sort of simmers for a few days, then TikTok places it into playlists and yes. crucially into banner advertisements at the top of the search page i I saw a quote um Mm. from the head of tiktok's music department a lady called isabel anus in um in um, business week and she says we held promo levers to just let the sound mature to the right point where then when we pulled everything we had it just Mm. propelled it to number one in the quote so when we see artists thanking their mother and their god for their success at the grammys mm. you know we may now hear them thank the yes. music department at tiktok as well and i suppose hit songs in music have so often been manipulated yes and this that's is just the latest way to do it and that's why i say i don't know whether to be cross about it yeah or i mean i mean how I, genuine I think, is it yes i don't know maybe yeah, that, I think that applies to newer songs. I was more talking about the resurg- the unexpected resurgence yeah. of older songs, which does seem to be a bit more genuinely sort of viral and strange. Look at the sea shanty thing, for example. The there are really thing, yeah. strange things that, that, that happen that are, but like you say, that the manipulation of, you know, sort of so-called new media by old school record labels is not new lily allen was seen as being one of the myspace artists she was already signed when she had a myspace page yes yes so it's not necessarily a new thing it is cynical i agree with you but i don't think all of the music that explodes on tiktok is cynical i think i think that there are genuinely odd things that happen you know there are always odd th- and again this is not entirely dissimilar to the thing that we discussed previously the spotify why are why do certain songs have loads and loads and loads of plays on spotify even if they're things like pavement b-sides and it's that they uh, you know the, the algorithms throw them in on playlists with other songs and people end up listening to them by accident really sometimes there is a you know sometimes strange things happen as manipulated sometimes strange things happen by accident it's 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 in you know it's, i find it interesting i find that i find the development of tiktok and music on tiktok really interesting mm. as you say for all that i thought you know that, that i assumed that because the hit list wasn't appealing to me it would be appealing to people younger than me like you say maybe the the days of the the hit list thing that we watched are are, are gone the playlist yeah. sorry and maybe you know maybe this tiktok thing is you know record companies are are not unreasonably working out how to manipulate that yeah absolutely and of course the the old adage still remains you you don't you know even if you see something on tiktok that's been manipulated into your view you don't have to go and stream no, it it's exactly. just a uh, yeah. personal choice and, and you don't have to stream it more than once you know, no. you don't have to watch it over and over again, which is what, which is what, uh, and it's a bit like, um, what's that thing, Vine, with the with the clipped, vid- with the looped yeah. videos on that my friend's kid uh, did some dance with with dustbin lids in her dad's pajamas and got a million views in a week or something yeah. insane. You know, things like that. They videos get get pushed up like YouTube videos because people watch them again and again. That's yeah. what that's what drives these things up. You know, Gangnam Style was huge because people watched it ten times. They didn't just watch it once. Well, thanks very much for listening mm. this week. Good to have you along. Thank you for yes, your I, attendance. I, I I echo the sentiments of of the chair very much. You'll be. Featuring Boney M on your radio show this week, no doubt. 
Well, I won't rule it out, frankly. <laughs> I mean, it's it's so, so the show that to which m- my learned friend refers it is the smooth sailing show that I do on Sunday evenings on my little mixer channel, um, seven till nine, smooth sailing. It's it's all it, it's sort of remit is 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 reasonably wide, I think. So I describe it as being um yacht rock, M O R A O R classic pop which i would put boney m as frankly you know we, we occasionally wander towards the realms of disco for that easy listening and just stuff that is feel good perhaps not terribly cool although be I, I don't like to look at it with a kind of an ironic guilty pleasures sort of lens i genuinely think it's good i'm not celebrating it to be ironic i'm celebrating it because you know the records are great but um 79 p.m it's the 50th show of this of this show this week so yeah we are having golden a golden anniversary i know it's mad isn't it to think we've all been sat here in our pajamas for this long but anyway <laughs> i am um, i will be doing that from 7 to 9 p.m on mixlrmixer.com slash juliet hyphen harris or just search my name on the site and if you go onto my page there's a show reel button for you to catch up on previous shows if you've missed them and would like to hear them a superb new track with sort of hints of summer to play us out yes it's kind of peeking out isn't it behind behind the behind the dark and behind the clouds uh, i think long-term listeners will know of my love of the chemical brothers and particularly of their most recent album no geography which came out in 2019 which i think was a career high for them in a, in a career which has had several amazing albums and the best record of that year i think unexpectedly one of the big political records of that year and an, an enormous success at Glastonbury their performance one of the best ever I think um this is they're in a they're in a rich vein of form I think at the moment to, to borrow an expression from another arena I think they're I think they're they're on form and I'm enjoying this a lot uh, this is their latest I, I don't know if it's precluding an album or not I'm not sure we'll, we will we will soon find out but in the meantime I've enjoyed I've enjoyed this a great deal this week this is the Campbell Brothers and the darkness that you fear let your heart see the colors all around you let your heart see the colors all around you and the darkness that you fear Oh, <laughs> 
You've been listening to a Parish Council production. Oh, those Russians.